Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. We're grateful that you've chosen to be with us today. My name is Ed Taylor, and we were looking at today, and it's been quite some time since I've been in the studio live, so it's good to be back. Just got back from taking a tour with a group in Israel And it was so, so good to be back and to experience Israel um, through the eyes of so many people that haven't been before. And it was good to see it open. And there were not many people there because we had a tour scheduled. You know, we ended up rescheduling it three times because of COVID, but uh, it landed right when they opened up. Our third reschedule opened right, or our second reschedule, but our third date um, opened up just after, uh, was scheduled just after they opened up, and then just a week after they took away uh, some of the restrictions. So it was a great trip. Um, Good to be back. Had quite a few opportunities and open doors uh, in the last couple months. So appreciate your prayers. And encouragement, but it is good to be back. I want to give a shout out to everyone on the Radio by Grace Network. You are listening live as well as you guys on Grace FM. You're listening live. If you're listening on any other network, Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, on on other places, you're listening to this as a one um, week delay. And all that means is while you hear the program on, you can call. We will um, we will take your Call, answer it on the air, and then you can hear it on your station one week later. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Looking forward to giving me a call, talking to you about the things of the Lord. Here are the numbers. You ready? 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or you can text me. It's a dedicated text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven, and that text line is twenty four seven, and it's open specifically during the program for your questions and your prayer requests. Because uh, if we uh, don't um, have any phone calls coming in we'll go to the text line and we'll kind of go back and forth. So if you don't hear a response or you don't get a response, um, just keep trying. Just like if it's busy when you're calling, just keep trying. We'll take your calls. And um, when a phone, when the phone line's busy, because we have a limited number of phone lines, when a call ends, that means a line is open and that would be the best time. And if you call at the beginning of the show, that's also the best time to get in because the show fills up um, as the show progresses. Let's come right here to Aurora, Colorado. Bianca, welcome to the program. 
Hello. How are you doing? I'm great, Bianca. I'm back in town, so it's good to be here. You are on the air. I think we lost you, Bianca. Like, we, can, we can't hear you. What happened? Oh, no. She'll have to call back. But she will. <clears throat> call us back, Bianca. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Taking your questions and your calls. Uh, here's a hard question. Hi, Ed. I work with kids that have experienced trauma. Can you recommend any books about children uh, that are have been abused sexually? Um and working with a 14-year-old that has abused their siblings. You know that I don't have any immediate recommendations for that. Um, I'm sorry. But here's what I would ask. If you do find recommended resources, would you send me that information by email? Um, I just want to pray for this situation. Uh, It's very, very difficult. Um, The sexualized culture that we're in seeing so much more of this at such a younger age. Father, I pray for the those that have been abused uh, by this person, this kiddo. Um, Lord, that you would heal them and protect them. And for the one that has abused God, that you'd bring them to a place of freedom from these sinful desires and even acting on them and protect this family in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 303-690-3000. Going back to Aurora. Ryan, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Hey, what's How are up? You? You're on the air, Ryan. Oh, I just, uh, I need prayer because uh, I was kind of crushed today. Okay. That's a nice way to say it. Um, a job that I was promised fell through, and um, I'm not sure what to do now, but um, I I know I keep getting called back to ministry, and I'm just wanting prayer for God to make a path for me to be able to do that. Okay, Father, I pray for Ryan and uh, the the crushing news he received today uh, about this position, and he has that that desire for ministry— um, he has that desire for serving you, and and he needs work, Lord, to provide for the needs of his household. And so I pray that you would give him uh, comfort and strength in uh, facing this <clears throat> facing this challenge. Um, but also, God, you would open doors for him that he might be able to work with his own hands to provide, as your word says, not only for his own needs, but for the needs of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, brother. Keep us up to date how it goes. Will do. All right, bye. You know, I remember remember the days uh, when I was also applying for positions, and it is just a crushing thing uh, when you are uh, denied uh, when it is uh, the no answer and and it's hard to foresee, it's hard to it's hard to accept when you think um, 
you know, but Lord, um, this is this is what I thought your will was. Um, this is what I thought you wanted to accomplish. And and then to find out that that was a closed door. So uh, maybe you're uh, in the, um, maybe you're in the same boat, and the Lord would want to encourage you in Him. All right, we're going to stick in Aurora. All the calls so far are in Aurora. Uh, we're going to pick up Paul on line two. Welcome to the program, Paul. Hey, Pastor Ed. Thanks for taking my call. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Uh, so my question is regarding um, when Jesus was speaking with Peter, and he asked Peter if he loved him, and then in response to tend his sheep and feed his sheep and, and so on. Yes. Um, one of the questions within that conversation with Peter, he said, do you love me more than these? And I'm wondering what he is in reference to as far as these are. What are these? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, remember Peter, uh, after the uh, death of Jesus, uh, he left and went back. What, what did he do? Do you remember what he did after, after the death of Jesus? Uh, he went fishing? Yeah, he went back to his profession. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I guess I failed Jesus and I don't have anything to, to do and I can't be a good follower. And it, it's, it, it appears that, I mean, we know he went back to his profession and there's a very good chance that he went back to his profession um, because he didn't really believe that he was a good follower. And so I think that the best um, answer of the possible answers is referring to the fish or to the boats, or to the profession of Peter. Do you love me more than these? Do you remember? Do you love me that more than the fish, more than the career? You know, because remember, he's in, he's re, he's restoring him in the ministry, and so I would say that the best um, the best opportunity for this um, answer would be he's referring to the fish, the boats. You know, that would be representative of the career path that Peter chose to go back to. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I've, I've thought that way also. That seems to make a lot of sense. Um, I've heard that other speculations might lead to um, if he loves him more than these, because he was sitting there with other yep. uh, gentlemen, too, and he was maybe in reference to the other. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember who all else was involved in that campfire breakfast, but um, I thought maybe, you know, with that speculation, do you love me more than these other people? But Sure and it fits. I, I would definitely say that's a that's definitely something that fits. But I mean, if because he's restoring him back in, I don't think it was Peter's love of the people, the other disciples or followers, or even other fishermen. I think it was really Peter. You made a life choice after your mistake, and I'm going to correct that life choice by affirming my love to you each time you denied me. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's a great section. I love chapter 21 of John because, you know, he's not only restoring Peter and giving him a chance three times to uh, express his love, but he's also saying, this is what your life's going to be. You're going to feed 10 and you, you are going to take care of my lambs. It, you, you, I'm going to entrust my future lambs to your care, my future sheep. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, wow. And, you know, and I didn't even think about that as far as he denied Christ three times and Christ asked him, do you love me three times? It's almost yep. like he's admonishing him three times to almost uh, fix what yep. was wronged in the same manner. That exactly. I hadn't even thought about that. 
giving him a chance. And I think the career fits better because he says it because of the way he answers. Not only is he given a chance to affirm, but he also says, I'm going to, here is going to be the rest of your life. You're not going to be a fisherman. You're not going to feed people practically. You're not going to provide fish for the community. This is what your life is. Go feed and take care of my sheep. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, thank you so much for the insight. That makes a lot of sense. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls and your questions. I think Bianca is back. Let me get back to my screen. Bianca's back on line three. Hey, Bianca, welcome back. Hello, can you hear me now? Now we can. Now we can, but then before you just disappeared. (laughs) Well, I just have a praise report. I was in a Zoom call prayer for Ukraine earlier. Um, It was actually a church in New Zealand that's doing it. Okay. And I just decided to join for the first time today, and I just really believe the Lord really used that prayer, even though I don't know how. And so that's really my praise report, because I didn't think I'd be on Zoom with wow. a few people in yes. New Zealand, I mean, at first it was just me and this one guy, I can't remember his name, Uh and we just started praying for different prayer requests, and then later on a lady joined, and she prayed toward the end of our meeting, so even though the meeting was just me and these two people, I we really covered a lot of the ground, and and I think I'm going to continue to join that Zoom prayer call every Wednesday. Oh, wow. That's going to be great. Well, keep us up to date. You know, I just, I just had a meeting today uh, with Pastor Byron and Emily— because uh, it's the first time I've really gotten to talk to them about um, coming back from their trip. You know, they, uh, I can't wait. I, I really, I asked them to be prepared to share with our church because what they were involved in was like the book of Acts. It was miraculous what God did through Pastor Byron and Emily and the team that were out there. And uh, it was so exciting, but also so painful. Um, it's a very painful um, situation uh, that is happening in Ukraine. So I'm so grateful. You're such a great prayer warrior, Bianca. Thank you. Yeah, and can we just pray really quickly for Ukraine? Yeah, of course we can. Do you want to do that? All right. Okay, great. Lord, I just want to pray for the situation in Mm -hmm. Ukraine right Mm -hmm. now. You know exactly everything that's going on, Lord, and And I just want to pray for protection for the believers who have chosen to stay there. And I also pray for all those missionaries who have obeyed you to go to 
the surrounding countries to help out with the situation their Lord just please use them in mighty ways and I just thank you that even through technology we can be connected with countries that are even unheard of the Lord. And, yes. And I just pray that you just continue to do a mighty work in Ukraine and Hungary and wherever else there are refugees. Yes. And I just thank you. And I also pray for my prayer warriors for Ukraine Facebook page that I've started that that you would just increase it in your timing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Bianca. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Got a text here real quick. Hey, Ed, this is Frank. I have a question. How do you know you're hearing from God? Sometimes I feel like I'm running in circles. Something inside me feels like I'm not being faithful if I'm not doing something, and I feel like I'm running out of time. Yeah, you know, Frank, uh, the religious systems, like uh, Roman Catholicism being one of them, really develops in a person, in a family, a a performance-based relationship with God. And it's not just Roman Catholicism. There's a lot of churches, legalistic churches, churches that require a lot of activity, a lot of action, a lot of everything it it in it, it it embeds in a person uh this sense of activity activity equals the the favor of god and inactivity somehow is interpreted disfavor and and so the question you ask is really good and i know you and i have a lot of history and this has been part of uh some of the ministry that i had the privilege of uh pouring into you while you were here and and that is, you know, God is well pleased with you just as you are. He loves you. He loves you when you're doing something. He loves you when you're not doing anything. And and he doesn't want you to have that, that uneasiness, uh, you know, that condemnation or even that feeling that where I'm not doing enough. There's one thing that God required, that tells us to do. I just shared this this, win- this uh, weekend. Uh, and that is abide in me and I in you. And so he says, stay put. And it kind of speaks to you feeling like you're running in circles, you know, because you're chasing after something you're never going to get the way you're going. The only way you're going to get what you're looking for is to stop and trust in the Lord, which is scary for you. Like right now you're you're scared because you don't think you're doing enough, but when you choose to abide, you're going to be scared that you're doing the wrong thing or you're doing nothing. But Jesus said, so you won't you will be fine when you obey Jesus. And you know, while you're waiting in him, while you're abiding, the word is the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. It means to stay put. It means to dwell. It means that we doesn't want it, he he doesn't want us running around. He wants us resting in him, enjoying him, worshiping him. And as we are, he'll bear fruit in our lives and he'll lead us. And and I know that, you know, you and I, you, you can fill in the blanks because we've talked about this a lot. But I'm always reminded of, the que- of the, this question. This is why I took it uh, on the air. Again, give us a call. You've got an open line, 303-690-3000. Um, 
how do I know the will of God? What do I look for? And I, I love to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. And this is what it says. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in sim, excuse me, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So in this little section here, we have a few indicators of what whether I know something is from the will of God or not. And of course, let's just start with anything sinful is not the will of God. I know you already know that. That's kind of not part of your question, but you're always feeling you unfaithful when you're not doing something. Um, well, how do I know the will of God? Number one, there's going to be a peace of God. The idea behind this phrase, the peace of God, to rule is the picture of an umpire. And since you're restless, listen, since you're restless, you don't have the peace of God ruling in your life. So you know where you are now is not where you need to be right now, number one. Number two, there's a thanksgiving in the will of God. It's gonna like it's hard to say, oh, thanks God, I'm so un, uh, restless because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It, there's no thanksgiving in that. But when you are where you need to be, doing exactly what you need to be doing, you have a thankful heart. Thirdly, um, in verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. So, of course, whatever God has called you to do, we're to dwell uh, the word of God. It's not going to contra- contradict the word of God. It's going to be filled with wisdom, teaching, and then ultimately it's going to end in a worshipful heart. And, you know, you probably should call me offline so we could talk about the details of what you're going through. But, you know, I know that there there is a sense where the Lord does want to settle you. And then, you know, Frank, that, that the key in your life is you need to settle and stay. So abide is a very important, because I know when inactivity or because you have that entrepreneurial spirit, right? So you're always trying something new and always, but when it doesn't work out or it doesn't work out the way you thought, you kind of view that as, oh, I was wrong. But maybe God was showing you something and saying, okay, that's a closed door, not wrong. He's just saying, nope, that's not where I want you to go. Nope, that's not where. And just like, man, where am I supposed? Well, just stay put, stay put. But Colossians 3, 15 and 16, I think will be very helpful as you measure out those things in your life. 303-690-3000, where are we? Going out to New Jersey now. Samuel, welcome to the program. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Well, uh, as I was saying, uh, in the book of Daniel, fourth chapter, when Nebuchadnezzar is saying his experience about the dream and how he ended up going mad, as we would call it, and God gave him the mind to recognize that all things are uh, God's providence, and it's not him that made his kingdom, but God himself. And my issue was, or question was, is there any kind of uh, commentary or writing from the Dead Sea Scrolls to indicate that Daniel 4th chapter was written either in a different language or they could tell it was written different than what Daniel had written? Yeah, you know, there were actually eight manuscripts of Daniel found uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they're called uh, 1Q Dan, AB, uh, 4Q Dan, um, and 6, and they represent every chapter of Daniel. Uh, and they, 
Let me see here. Let me pull it up. Um, every chapter except for chapter 12. And in the Dead Sea Scrolls, I don't see um, the languages that they found them in. So um, from my resource here, I cannot answer that question specifically. Okay. But, I'm still scrolling so, through. Let me see. Yeah, it, but since Daniel, Daniel uh, was in, uh, should have been written in Hebrew, so mm-hmm. if uh, it wasn't like Babylonian, I don't know what writing that would be, but Babylonian or uh, Semitic, anything like that, there's no indication of uh, any transition in language. It would have been transition in language. I don't know that the Dead Sea Scrolls is what we need to prove that, but... Uh, chapter two through seven were written in Aramaic and yes, for sure. But I forget where we get that, where that information came from. But again, the, um, the, the essence of Daniel and, and the, um, protection of the Jewish canon of scripture would verify what, what was written in the language change in the book of Daniel. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Have a great day. All right. Bye bye. 303 is the number. Taking your calls and your questions. Uh, let's see here. Where are we? We're going from back to Denver. Katie, welcome to the program. Katie, are you still with us? Okay. Katie, it was a great question. Please call back. I don't want to speak to it without you being on the air, um, but I think it would be a great question. Out to Baltimore, Maryland. Betty, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Ann. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, my question is... Um, the Ten Commandments, was is that for us now, or was that for Moses and the Israelites both at that time? Both. It's both. Yes. Okay. You know, when you think right. of the when you when you think of the Ten Commandments, you remember we understand them under which the context uh, that they were written and given. And so they were gi- given through the Mosaic Covenant. Um, they were given to the children of Israel. And the primary, um, the primary uh, instruction of them uh, were given uh, to the Jewish people. But because God doesn't change, um, you find that many of those, uh, nine of those Ten Commandments are repeated again in the New Covenant. And do you know the one that's not repeated to keep in the New Covenant? No, not, not in the top of my head. No, I don't. It's the, to keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath yeah, guess, was not given right. to New Covenant believers. However, even there's debate on that. Even Let's just give those that like to argue about that stuff that, oh, the Sabbath is, you need to keep the Sabbath as New Covenant believers. Okay, and I'd say, okay, um, I keep the Sabbath by faith because Jesus Christ is our final rest. So if you're a believer in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, you have received the full final rest of God, and no longer is the Sabbath required of you as it was for the Old Covenant. So, for example, 
to worship the God in him alone was mentioned 50 times in the New Testament. Idolatry condemned 12 times, profanity four times, honoring your parents six times, murder six times, adultery 12 times, stealing four times, giving false witness four times, covetousness uh, is condemned nine times, but keeping the Sabbath is not repeated ever in the New Covenant. Gotcha. God bless you, sister. We got to go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You hear the music. We're coming up on our first break as it comes just as quickly as usual. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. We got an open line, 303-690-3000. Would love for you to hear from you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Calvary Live, taking your calls and your questions. Some people were asking, you know, why would Daniel be written in Aramaic? Well, Aramaic was the official language of the Babylonian kingdom, and he would be in, remember, Daniel and his friends were being instructed in all things uh, Babylon as students. You know, they were taken from their homeland and they were carefully selected. Then they were trained up in the ways of Babylon. So 303 Back to Colorado, Logan in Evergreen. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. Hey. Um, so um, I had a question. Um, so at school, um, they because I'm I'm a junior at high school. Okay. And I'm in world history. Yes. So they're talking kind of about war and religion okay. type stuff. Yes. And he, our teacher, basically said after um, Jesus died, that's when. Um, that's when Christianity became around. But then after that, everyone became Catholic. And okay. then from there, everyone became, um, people went off and branched off to Lutheran and yeah. became Lutheran. And okay. then people branched from Lutheran to Calvinist and then from Calvinist to Puritans. So I was wondering if that's all true or not. Well, I think that. There is a stream of true, real relationship with Jesus Christ that dates back to the early church. And along the way, there have been systemized approaches to understanding the scriptures and to systematizing uh, religion. So I would say that your teacher has some accuracy to what he shared, but it's an overgeneralized description of the stream and history of Christianity. Uh, so some of what he's saying true, you know, that you have you have the early church, the first century, the first hundred years of the church history is found is given to us in the book of Acts. And then as you see the church spreading, you you find different pockets of culture, you find different pockets of influence. Um, different, you know, you had sound teaching, you had false teaching, you had heretical teaching, and then around 300-ish, you know, mid-300s, you have Constantine, the Roman Empire, marrying 
the church with the state, which is really the birth of Romanism, uh, what we've come to know as Roman Catholicism. And then within Roman Catholicism, you go through you know the Dark Ages, and then there were what are known as Reformers. Uh, Luther would be a good—that's where Lutheranism comes from, Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a Roman Catholic priest who had many issues with Roman Catholicism, and he protested on October 31st on the Wittenberg door. You know, he never really intended to leave. He just wanted it to change. Um, But because they went after him and kicked him out, he went off and people followed him, and that's where you have Lutheranism. And then from Luther, then you have people that were studying and codifying, and uh, same with John Calvin. He was also—there were Reformers all over the East, all over Europe. Calvin was one of them. Zwingli was another— uh, and and so the, these different streams have definitely come from the main uh, river. You know, these tributaries have definitely come from the main river, but our real roots and history of the Church predate all of that and come to us from the Book of Acts. Okay. So, with that in mind, what was the point he was trying to make? Do you know what was his conclusion? Um... Well, like that, this was like what it's just the history timeline that we've gone okay. through and stuff. Yeah. So, like, that's the timeline that we've done. Yeah. So, that's a pretty good generalization of, you know, 2,000 years of church history. Uh, it's not thorough, but um, it's not inaccurate. And what's your viewpoint on Calvinism? Personally, I'm not uh, in favor of Calvinism. Uh, I'm not a reformed in my theology. Um, I reject Calvinism. Uh, f- all five points of Calvin, Calvinism. I, I don't like Reformed theology, um, and uh, that's my simple overgeneralization of that answer. Um, okay. You know, I, I, I found a quote uh, on this that I thought uh, was so solid. Let me look it up for you, because, um, you know, that's a, that's a loaded question, you know. Um, not that you loaded it, but just the question itself. And, oh, where did I, I must have, let me just look real quick here, hope I can find it. Here we go. So here's a quote, it says, and I quote, A thoroughly reformed interpretation of the gospel is not the gospel, it's merely an interpretation. And then this brother was writing from a different perspective, he said, Those of us outside the reformed camp are still preaching Christ, even if our interpretation doesn't match the reformed line by line. And so Paul wrote, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And and I think the author, and I, I wish I did, I wish I would have wrote the author's name, and I didn't, so I'm not sure where I got this quote from, but I thought it was so good, because we have to remember that ultimately a person that comes and says, this is the absolute truth, can only really say it's the interpretation of the Scriptures, you know, that it, like a fully reformed interpretation is just that. The gospel is the gospel, independent of you, independent of me. And, you, you know, we want, whenever I find someone fighting for reformed theology, I go, but what was, what was theology before Reformation? What was theology, you know, and you could use your same timeline, right, Logan? You could say, well, wait a minute, uh, was there anything before Luther? Was there anything before Roman Catholicism? Was there anything before, um, and you answer if yes. We have the early church given to us in the book of Acts, um, and we want to try to be as close as possible to the original birth of the church 
And, you know, I think the big surprise, Logan, for all of us is is that even though we hold, you know, true Christianity is going to, true Christians are going to hold to the essentials of the faith equally, I think we're all going to be surprised uh, in eternity of what we really solidly got right and perhaps what we solidly got wrong. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, and my sister also had a question. Great. Put her on. Um, she's upstairs. She's upstairs. Hold on one second. <laughs> it was, how could Satan fall if there's no sin in heaven? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, where where you have, while, while there's no sin in heaven, like in the sense that in the presence of God, uh, he is pure and righteous and holy— we know that sin did exist in the presence of God because Satan rebelled against him. Uh, and so that rebel heart, that that opportunity for rebellion was built into the angelic realm, uh, very similar to that possibility of you and I rebelling against God. We were born into sin, but with the angelic realm, you know, let me let me start with the angelic realm. It, it appears from the scriptures that they were given an opportunity for one choice, and that's all they get. They're either going to follow the rebellion of Lucifer, or they're going to be loyal to God. And we know that in result of that, a third of the angels, they leave and follow the rebellion of Lucifer, they become the demonic realm, and two-thirds of the angels stay loyal to God. And so the possibility to rebel was put into the angels, and they get one shot. When you come to humanity— and when God creates humanity, what does he do? He gives them the opportunity to rebel as well. And like Lucifer, they enjoyed uh, the presence of God without rebelling, but the potential was always there. And then, of course, when they act on that potential, then immediately sin exists, and it exists in the presence of God because he's omnipresent. It's not like he if, if God is omnipresent, then, he, then sin is always around him. And even in the book of Job, you find that Job uh, is being tempted by the devil, and where's the devil go? He goes right into the presence of God. So the sin that's in, in the presence of God is there by his sovereign allowance. Like, he allows uh, the devil, at least at that time, to be there in him and accuse Job, and, and, and you know, that battle over Job is, I mean, not really the battle, but the accusations for Job are there. Um, so the potential for sin was always there, and it manifested through Satan's rebellion. So angels had free will choice also. It, except that it was a little different. We learned from the Bible it was a little different than humanity because there's no repentance and there's no salvation for angels. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, thank you so much for taking the time to answer that. Great question, guys. God bless you. Yeah, bless you. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like, if God is sovereign and holy and omnipresent, then how can sin be in, in His presence? Well, by His by His allowance. It's the same question as how can how can the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, be limited by a human body? It was God's sovereign will. It's His purpose. You know, a lot of times in some theologies it talks about God never condescending, but that's not true. The greatest condescension to man's level was the Son of God becoming man. God does meet us where we're at. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. It is a. It is kind of a. You know, as we were talking, you know, it is kind of a conceptually challenging to think about an angel rebelling against God. 
But what's even greater that God gave them that that God gave them the choice because He'll never force anyone to love Him ever. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to go to Louisiana. Alan, welcome to the program. How you doing? Good, man. What's up? Okay. Uh, I have two things I would like to ask you. Okay. But the, the important <clears throat> thing is, every day, I'm a, I'm a truck driver, and all I listen to is Christian stations. But my problem is, the very next day, I forget I cannot remember what I listened to the day before. What can I do about this? Yeah. I prayed about it. My wife talked to her pastor. Uh-huh. They prayed about it um, through a group. But for some reason or another, I cannot remember what I listened to the next day. Okay. And I, I want to remember because I want to dwell on everything I hear. Okay. I want to learn. But I just cannot remember a sermon the next day. Well, let me say a couple of things. Number one, it's not unusual that when you're learning audibly, it just sounds like you're not an audible learner, um, and that's not unusual. I'm I'm not I'm a much better learner reading than I am listening, um, and I'm very similar to you. Where I don't remember everything, but I do remember some things. And when it comes to audible learning. The, the best thing, the best tool in learning is repetition. And I know if you're listening and driving around in the car or in your truck and you're not able to take notes or anything, it will be more challenging. But I would just say don't be so hard on yourself because it's not unusual for, an, for a person that's not, an, that's not an audible learner to remember much from what they heard, number one. But number two, I would say that because are you talking about you know typically driving around and listening and then you don't remember much? I remember everything. I just can't remember sermons the next day. It's like Satan's doing everything he can to keep me from learning. Okay, then I might be misunderstanding. You said you remember everything, but you learn nothing. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying I can remember a lot of things. Okay. That, that goes on. But you okay? can't remember the sermon. when it comes down to listening to sermons, uh-huh. the next day I can't remember those. Okay, so are you listening to sermons while you're driving, or are you sitting down listening to them? While I'm driving. Okay, so I think that right now, I don't know that it's just Satan, it's just the mode of learning. When you're driving around, your mind is looking at cars, and, and you're, for safety's sake, and watching red lights. Um, there's a lot of... There's a lot going on in your mind that's making it more challenging for you to remember what you're hearing. And what I'd suggest for you to do is to spend some time when you're not driving, and as you're listening to sermons, learn how to take notes on the things that are most important to what you're hearing. Because it studies say that when you're listening and you're writing and you're reviewing your notes— those are great tools to help you remember and learn, um, and and I just think you need to get some time. It doesn't it doesn't surprise me that you're driving. You got all this input. You got all these concerns. You got to look out for the cars and red lights and everything that you you can't concentrate like you could if you were sitting down and taking notes. I'm going to start doing that then. I'm going to take time when I'm done driving. Take time like an hour and a hour hour and a half. Yes. Do what you said. 
I'm going to try that. And if you have a favorite pastor that you're listening to on the radio, you know, you could sign up for their podcast, and then you could listen to that same study on the radio that same day. So you can hear it twice. Do you know how to use podcasts? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, so if you if you have a favorite pastor, I would suggest you go in your podcast app and see if they're podcasting that exact same radio broadcast. So if you're hearing it on the radio in the morning, then when you park and you come home, you can listen to the same exact thing, and that will help you too, because you've already heard some of it. Right. I'm going to do that. All right, give it, give it about a month and then call us back or a couple weeks and tell us how it goes. Okay. Now, I have one more question for you. Okay. According to the Bible, Adam and Eve were the first, and they had their children. Cain slayed Abel. God marked Cain, and Cain was afraid that the people would try to harm him. Who were the people he was afraid of? Yeah, there's the population. The population grew and grew and grew. And where you're looking at in Genesis chapter four, verse fifteen, you have it says, "The Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold." And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. So it's kind of a twofold statement. It's of the people that are alive then, and also the people that will be alive in the future. Okay. So You're the pa- first one gave me a, a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise God for that. God bless you, brother. No, I've, asked, I've asked my pastor that, and he couldn't give me an answer. No, that's a good question. I mean, I think the, there's a population explosion, you know, that isn't accounted for in the Scriptures. There isn't a time frame accounted for in the Scriptures. But as you read it, and I just had to go back and read it, you know, there's, there's, a, sis of, there's a sense of that statement at least translating in the English, kind of speaks to whoever's alive now, and it also speaks to the future. Okay. All right, call me hey, back uh, a couple weeks. I want to hear how your studying's going. Okay, I will do. Okay, God bless you, man. Bye-bye. What a great question. Man, that, that's—I'm having a hard time remembering. And, and maybe what Alan was asking is what you're dealing with, too. And, and as you take, as you attack some of these problems from different angles, the Holy Spirit will meet you there. And praying is, you know, praying is definitely important. And I'm glad that he was seeking God because the Holy Spirit will answer that prayer. And now he can present himself to God. Um, I was thinking of, I didn't read it, but uh, this scripture is, uh, let's see, it is. Uh, approved God. I, I want to say it's in Second Timothy. It's on the back of our Bible college shirts. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I think the old King James actually says, study to show yourself approved. Uh, and And as that effort you put, into the Word of God, it will always benefit. Even if you think, and I would say, I forgot to say this to Alan, even if you don't think you're receiving anything, you are. You're, you're depositing through all those Bible studies, you're depositing into your heart, into your soul, what the Holy Spirit has for you, what the gifted Bible teacher has for you, and the Lord, Lord God will make it come alive in your life. I, I know it. The Word of God does not return empty.
ever. Back to Colorado, Kersey, Colorado. Terry, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hey, what's up? Um, do I, uh, so my question is, and I was going to try to be more broad than this, but this would just help out. Okay. Um, I'm running for office, and I have an opponent. I feel as though God brought me into this position, and you know, he says the same thing, right? God called him to run for office. Um, it's a really painful process to uh, run against somebody. You know, you, you can't help, but it can't, you know, it's, you know, having yourself basically put out there and judged. And um, how do you know if you're the one being directed by God or if they're the one being directed by God? You know, I try to keep my, my, my ear to the Bible as much as possible, and there's been no clear way from God that I should not be doing it, you know, sure. and, and I felt when I started that I was being called to, you know, I, I guess, who's right? Yeah, a couple, of, a couple of thoughts that I have on that. First of all, both of you could be right. Uh, God could be directing both of you for this public office. Uh, he could be leading both of you for his own individual purposes. Um, sometimes we think of the, we, sometimes we think of the, um, you know, the will of God or the leading of God that he would only be doing that for successful reasons, right? So, you know, you are in a political, you guys are in a political campaign against each other. You both say you're led by God. You both say you're God's choice. And of course, we're going to find out if you're God's choice at the end of the election, right? We're going to find out which one of you are right on that statement alone. I think I'm God's choice for office. But the Bible says God raises up one and puts down another. So the one that wins the election is God's choice. Um, we see yeah. that in Romans chapter 12, uh, 13 and 14 in that section as well. So that's number one. But number two, let me go back to, is could God le- be leading both of you to run for public office? Absolutely. He could be doing it for very different reasons, though. You know, he could be putting you on a on a platform to meet somebody at a thing, and then that opens a door over here, and you got this over there, and um, he could be leading you to be in office he could be leading you to show you how hard politics are. Like the reasons why could be monumentally different, um, even for a person that he has and God has the desire for them to win the election. Um, God has a purpose in that. And for someone to lose the election, God has a purpose in that. But both of you guys could be led by the Lord. Um, I'll give you an example. I, I've never run for office, but. I did, I did put in for a position. When I was in the corporate world, I applied for a position. Another guy applied for the position. And again, I don't want to put—I really felt—he wasn't a believer, but I really felt that God wanted me to take care of my family and get this raise and everything, and I did not get the job. I didn't, it wasn't God's will for me to get the job. Um, but I do believe it was God's will for me to apply for the job— and to go through the process, he wanted me to learn failure. He wanted me to learn faith. He want, I mean, I could tell you a lot of things that he taught me about myself. He wanted me to learn how to submit to my new boss because the guy that beat me out was my new boss. And he wanted me to witness to him. He wanted my boss to see what it was like for me to lose graciously and be a good employee to him. I mean, on and on, I could see looking back now why God would have me. And you know what happened many years later? I ended up getting his job. And he moved on. So, you know, we don't know the ways of God. We just live by faith. We live daily by faith. And if you believe God led you to, to this to run for office, I believe you. And if the other guy says it and he has a real walk with the Lord, I believe him too. It will just be for two profoundly different reasons. Okay. Um, 
I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think God called me. You know, I'm not, I'm not weaponizing God, and that happens a lot in politics too. You'll see people, sure. I'm God's choice, and I don't want, I don't want anybody to ever think that that's what I'm saying. No, no. Um, you that's know, good. it's a, it's certainly a, a, I'm called. You know, I've been called into a lot of things that I've failed. Of course. Um, so it's like you said, it's just um, politics is a confusing thing because it, it's hard. Constantly wants to be your God. Right. Yeah, and you know, you're you're a man of God that has a real genuine walk with Him, but you're also entering into a very challenging environment. I remember a previous previous, uh, president talking about draining the swamp until he got there, and he found out how deep the swamp really was. Um, And, you know, the government affairs of man, they come and go. Remember there was a time in world history when Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the whole world. Is he still the king? No, neither is Babylon. So, you know, we we live in the time that the God that God has us, and and I'm grateful that you clarified that because I don't think you're weaponizing it either. Um, but it's good to clarify it so that people know that real godly men and godly women can and should for run for public office when they believe the Lord is calling them to do that. Well, you didn't. <laughs> I'm going to walk by faith. I mean, that was my plan from the beginning, but, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard. That's all I could say, but I appreciate you taking the time to answer my question. God bless you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's head over to uh, Javier in Wichita Falls, Texas. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Is it Javier, Xavier? What what should I do? Xavier. Xavier it is, buddy. What's up? Um, not much. Just uh, I was asking for a prayer request. Okay. Uh, me and my wife, and we're trying to move our family up here in Wichita. We live in Oklahoma right now, and I drive back and forth from work about an hour every morning. Oh boy. So it's uh it's getting rough. It's really stressful. I'm sitting at work, you know, worrying about if we're gonna get this house or not. You know, just stressing all day, and this is really heavy on me right now. And I ain't doing no good to our, you know, our family and everything like that. So. Okay, let's pray. Father, I join together with my brother Xavier and uh, just the heaviness he has for taking care of his family, just being the man that uh, was leading well and providing well and having that right place to live so there's more time together, just in the right community to, to find the right you know, mortgage or rent payment, just exactly what he desires for his family. And, and so I just pray uh, not only for favor and direction, but just to remove the stress and the pressure and uh, the overwhelming, um, you know, just the, the burden that he's carrying over this, Lord, and make a way that he might be able to provide for his family and get everyone moved and, and get to all this extra couple hours back, um, using it more productively in the family. And I know many listening in are in a similar they're listening to the radio precisely because they have a commute. And I just pray for those that are desiring a change that you would make a way where there is no way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That's you need awesome. to call back with your with your new address. Not the numbers, but just tell us you landed well. <laughs> I sure will. That All right, be man. Awesome. Thank Bless you. you, bro. Bye-bye. All right, let's go before, right before we got two minutes. Tony, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I get to pray with you. How would you like me to pray with with you? Uh, hi, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, 
the uh, the guy that answered the phone, I I said I needed prayer for uh, my wayward son. I was wondering if I could change that. You can, can we but we're for, we're uh, we've got sixty seconds okay. left. Can we pray for all the wayward kids out there? You bet we can. Their parents are missing them. Father, I pray for the prodigals and wayward sons and daughters, and even as Tony said, the parents that are missing them. I know we've got a young man entering into uh, getting some help today um, with his parents taking him in, Lord, and I'm grateful um, for that. I know that that's a big step forward, and so I just pray for big step forwards for the prodigals and the waywards. I pray for strength for the parents that wait for them to come back, Lord. It's it's gut-wrenching, very hard, uh, and I pray for super strength and stamina in moms and dads waiting for their prodigals to come home. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, brother. All right, we come up to the end of the program. Again, we do have a, a, a great praise report today of a young man um, entering into some help and treatment today that he needs. And so, Lord, bless him, help him, deliver him, and strengthen him. Reveal your great love to him and be with his parents. Um, uh, we are hopeful, and may we never lose hope, God. Even when the situation seems hopeless, give us strength and hope never to give up. And even if we do, Lord, you'll be there with us to strengthen us. When we're faithless, you remain faithful. Hey, thanks. It's so good to be back. Ah, so good. Can't wait to be on tomorrow, Lord willing, lest the rapture takes place and then we're all out of here. Uh, But if not, we'll be back same time. God bless you guys. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.